Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Across the Outkick Network, 6th and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, we'll discuss Philip Rivers and a potential return to the league. Yes, that was mentioned. Also, Tom Brady was mentioned as a potential return out of retirement. He's responded. The franchise tag deadline is happening right now. And just before the deadline, the New York Giants have agreed to a four-year contract extension for quarterback Daniel Jones. Four years worth up to $160 million, $35 million more in upside on incentives. This is coming from multiple outlets. Jordan Schultz was the first to report it. That has also allowed the Giants to use the tag on Saquon Barkley. So they're getting Jones and Barkley back for 2023. John McClain will join us in about 20 minutes. We'll go through all of the NFL headlines, recap the combine, and more. And in a little more than an hour, Kurt Schilling will join us on the show. Talk all things Major League Baseball. Chad, we are just around the corner from Selection Sunday this coming weekend. Can't wait. And bids are being handed out, especially the pressure is mounting right now for the bids being handed out for the smaller conferences. The yeah, one most, bid league. most everyone thinks about March Madness starting with the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament, which would be nine days from now, next Thursday. I would implore people to think about March Madness starting this week with conference championship games in conference tournaments of one bid leagues. Um, there is terrific drama in these games. I was watching um, Campbell and UNC Asheville the other night in the Big South championship game that went into overtime that UNC Asheville won. I was watching some of Furman and, and Tennessee Chattanooga last night where Furman won. They go back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 43 years. 1980 was the last time they were in the tournament. It's so much fun to watch these games and know that – well, it's fun and kind of stressful when you try to put yourselves in the, in the shoes of the players that are playing – because this is the real stress and drama. These teams making it to the tournament, they've already accomplished their goal. Now, when they get there, they're not trying to lose. They want to win games. And it'd be great if they could go on one of those Cinderella runs that we see almost every year. But let's face it, if you're a one-bid league, if you are the Northeast Conference, if you're the Patriot League, if you're the Big South, if you're the SoCon, if you're uh, leagues all over the country – the Horizon League, this is where it's at. This is it. This is the drama, is winning that conference championship game and getting into the NCAA tournament, and I, I love it. This week is so much fun for me, so I would just advise the basketball fan out there, extend it. You know, March Madness doesn't have to just be the NCAA tournament. It's the week before also. We're going to get essentially some play-in games in major conference tournaments also Good, yeah. with teams that are on the bubble or teams that can solidify their place in the tournament. But we know these teams that win their conference tournaments that they're getting in, and the team that loses that championship game is not. And there's great drama in watching that. Here's uh, the coveted automatic bids from these one-bid leagues so far. 
um, Louisiana, Furman, Kennesaw State, Drake, UNC Asheville, and Southeast Missouri State. Those are in for the automatic bids. And we still have you know, several to go this week. Everything from the SEC uh, to the ASUN to the Summit League and more. Um, yeah, you're right. The, the drama happens there. And then you start to jump on the bandwagon of some of these teams. And Drake's going to be like an 8 or 9 seed or 10 seed maybe at worst. So they're, they're a little bit different. That Missouri Valley Conference typically will get two bids in, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be the case this year, but that's a really good basketball league. I think they Kennesaw, beat each other so much that yeah. they're not going to get two bids this year. Well, there's there's a lot of great – there's a, a conference championship game tonight in the Northeast Conference that's fairly Dickinson or Dickerson – Dickinson. Dickinson, yeah. Versus Merrimack. And I'm pretty knowledgeable in college basketball. I, Merrimack has not All been right. a Division One school for long. <laughs> I have never heard of Merrimack in my life. Until seeing that, they're playing for a spot in the NCAA tournament tonight. Kennesaw State is three years removed from going 2-29. and 29, And here they are wow. in the NCAA tournament. Two years later, point being, there's a great story behind all of these schools. The guy leading the way for UNC Asheville is a Tennessee transfer from Knoxville, Drew Pember, who played at Tennessee for a couple of years. And he had 29 points and eight rebounds in the conference championship game. A great player for them. So... I really enjoy watching the – I like watching these small gyms they're played in at times too in these, in these games and just the drama and excitement of it. It's terrific. It's why we love March if you're a sports fan, but it doesn't have to just be contained to the NCAA tournament, extended out to this conference championship week. Chad, who is the team in the SEC tournament this week that's on the bubble that can make a run and get in? Vandy. Vandy's won eight out of nine. But they need to get they need to win two or three. They need to they absolutely have to obviously win their first game against Thursday. whatever bottom feeder they play. Yeah. On on Thursday. And then they have to they play the winner of LSU, who they just lost to, by the way, in Baton Rouge. LSU, who's last in the league in Georgia. Gotta win that game. Gotta beat Kentucky on Friday, and that will be a home game for Kentucky. Make no mistake about it. Yep. It'll be big blue mist. Even though it's in Nashville. In Nashville, note. that is in Vandy's hometown. It will be a home game for Kentucky with the fans. And I really think they, if they want to be secure, they need to beat A&M, who would be the Saturday opponent for Vandy. Do that, and I think they got a chance. They should be in. If they don't do that, if they beat Kentucky, they're going to be sweating it out on Selection Sunday. May, may get in, may not. If they don't beat Kentucky, I think their chances – are probably over of getting a bit. Now, there's a lot of things that could happen around them with teams that right now may be in. They may have an awful loss in their conference tournament and yeah. knock them out and move Vandy up also. But it's fun to watch that. Mississippi State's another one that goes in this tournament needing a win. I think Auburn, they locked themselves in, I believe, with that win over Tennessee on Saturday. But to feel real secure, they, they, it'd be nice for them to win a couple games in this SEC tournament, or at least avoid disaster. Avoid being nervous. Yeah, avoid the bad loss in their first game. So, plenty to watch in these conference tournaments, and this one here in Nashville. Of course, our studio is three blocks from the arena, so we may have a, an SEC tournament flavor on the show live the next few days also. It'll be packed. Six the Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, uh, Rich Eisen gets back from the combine and starts going through everything that he's heard, and one of them that he mentions on his show was that Brady may not stay in retirement. But Brady has responded to that. Um, again, last year he retired on February 1st, and then on March 13th, I believe was the date, is whenever he announced he was coming back with the statement. 
Um, today is March 7th, and he has tweeted out, uh, responding to the talk of the NFL Combine that he may come back to the league with a joke. He tweeted, anyone who thinks I have the time to come back to the NFL has never adopted a two-month-old kitten for their daughter. Uh, responding to specifically uh, any report out of Eisen or anyone that was tweeting out that there's a chance he could return. I think he's done. I mean, if, if we hear that Rodgers retires, I think the Rodgers retirement announcement could be just to put things on pause as he decides what he wants to do with the Jets or if there's another team. And then he comes out of retirement, they trade Rodgers' rights to that said team upon agreement on a contract. Brady just appears done. He's There's a report TMZ's following him on his 77-foot yacht right now off the coast of Florida. I mean, it, he's not even thinking about the NFL currently. Well, and if he's on that 77-foot yacht, I doubt he's raising that kitten. <laughs> hope the kitten's okay. 77-foot yacht has plenty of rooms for that kitten. We've been in a home that had That's one true. for their dogs. That's true. You don't um, want the kitten to go overboard, though. Yes. Uh, but point being, I, I actually believe him that he's done. I don't want him to be, but I believe that he's done. I don't know how you coax him out of retirement at this point. I don't point. think he sends that, that tweet out even joking if he's even having second thoughts at all about coming back. So I think he's done. I was surprised when he retired. I thought after everything he had gone through that he would come back and play again, at least for another year. So I was shocked when he announced his retirement right after the season. And when Rich Eisen said that, I thought, okay, maybe there's something there. But for Brady to fire back even with a joking tweet like that, about the two-month-old kitten for his daughter, yeah, I think he's done. I think he's, I think he's sticking with the retirement this time. Ryzen, uh, Ryzen. Eisen also put out something on Rivers. Uh, Philip Rivers, according to Rich Eisen, has expressed interest in a return after two seasons away from the game. See, I think this is more unlikely than Brady coming out of retirement. I mean, Rich Eisen's like the, the retired quarterback whisperer also. He's coming in with all the knowledge on all the guys who were supposedly retired. Now, if he wanted to play, I, I, he had an surprise offer. Me he if, had an offer to play for the Saints last year. They they reached out to him about playing whenever they got hurt at quarterback so often. That would not surprise me if he was interested in it. It would surprise me if a team wanted him to start. Yes. And there are teams... I mean, that's great if you're interested in coming back. He's who, 41. Who would want 41-year-old Phillip Rivers... Two years removed from playing competitive football. Indy. <laughs> where he last was, I mean, look I guess. what they're picking, though. Like They're going to get a rookie quarterback in this deal if they want one. I, I just, I, I don't. Just start the clock with whoever you draft, if you're Indy or anyone else, and see what you got. What a storyline, though. Left to go coach a high school team or whatever down in Alabama. I mean, this is the next movie where Kevin James will probably pay, play Philip Rivers, who played Sean Payton in that movie produced by Adam Sandler. When this becomes a movie one day, if he comes back and does well, that two-year stint as a high school coach and then coming back to the league, I think Kevin James will get this part also. Chad, I've never heard of a pain tolerance test at the Combine, um, but you had Ian Rappaport, who works for NFL.com and NFL Network, highly respected, tweet out, that an NFL spokesman for uh, Richard Garange, who's an offensive lineman for the Florida Gators, and the report that he got hurt because of a pain tolerance test. Uh, he originally tweeted out Rappaport, Richard Garange came to the combine healthy, but woke up with a swollen ankle after a pain tolerance test created an injury. He cites his sources, and then he says, he had been planning to do all the drills, but now won't be able to, thanks to the situation caused during the medical exams. 
He then retweets and clarifies through an NFL spokesman. An NFL spokesman is clarifying my use of the term, quote, pain tolerance test, end quote, saying, quote, there is no pain tolerance test. The player underwent a typical physical exam, end quote. If that's all this was, is a typical physical exam, and for whatever reason, you have the old lineman saying it was a pain tolerance test. Come on. The only time I got injured in just an exam, a, a, a physical yeah. at any point was when the nurse was new and had a hard time finding a vein for the blood being drawn. Yeah, that's And I leave with a black and blue arm, and I'm like, can we just give up on this? And your arm's sore for days At some point, days. yeah, I'm yeah. like, I really would like to stop if we're going to go for an 11th try at finding the vein where you've <laughs> poked my arm in every vein around there. Uh, that may be the only time I've been injured in one of these. Um, you know, I here I thought that the pain tolerance test was just torture. That's what a pain Put tolerance the test is, right? The the CIA has done this. You know, Russia does this. China does this. Every global agency they have pain tolerance tests for people they're interrogating, and it's called torture. So that's what I thought when I saw a pain tolerance test. This is just a churched been, up way to describe torturing someone. <laughs> Hutton, let me test your pain tolerance to see if you'll give me the answers that I want based on the level of pain that you're able to, to withstand. Chad, in this day and age, can you imagine that the Combine has a pain tolerance test? I mean, how, how would you even word it that way? No. I know that's what the players said, but this is just your typical, if it's just your physical, the routine physical that every player's doing, and he's waking up saying, yeah, my ankle feels really bad right now. I can't go through the workouts. It happened during the exams yesterday. You got to stretch, man. I saw where Dr. Chow, pro football yes. MD, he tweeted and said, this is typical language coming from an agent <laughs> in this report that someone would actually put pain tolerance tests down. And he went through the exact wording of what it is. It wasn't just random physical or part of the physical, but it was <laughs> he had wording for it that was not quote, pain tolerance test. But he had a good explanation where it was basically, yeah, he's getting this from a, a, an agent who does not know what it's termed at all and said pain tolerance test and just repeated that in his you imagine report. Though who, I, I don't know the team it's linked to. Imagine the coaches that it could, like, I immediately think Belichick put him through the pain tolerance test. You know? yeah. Who else would fit that? I, I just saw so many funny. Vrabel? Uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I saw so many. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. I was about to go Dan pain Campbell to the test. next one. Yeah. Send him over there. Guys, we're going to now go from the interview room to the pain tolerance test room <laughs> uh, where you'll be administered some blows to the head <laughs> and the torso area to see how you withstand pain. We're twist your ankle. There were so many funny gifts that were posted. One was someone said, you know, this is the pain tolerance test. And it was the scene from Animal House where it's, thank you, sir, may I have another? Just got bent over just getting the initiation. The, yeah, getting the leather belt <laughs> put across the backside. Um, it's yeah, it's led to a lot of funny jokes, but come on, language matters, words matter. If you're going to be a reporter and you're going to break news, you should probably think twice before typing out "got injured during pain tolerance test" because you should know that would raise a lot of questions. Six players ended up receiving the franchise tag at the NFL deadline, which was 15 minutes ago. Commanders defensive lineman Deron Payne, Cowboys running back Tony Pollard. Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, Jags tight end Evan Ingram, quarterback Lamar Jackson, the non-exclusive tag in Baltimore, meaning another team can still negotiate, make him an offer. If he signs it, Baltimore can match it, or they will receive two first-round picks in return. And the Giants have tagged running back Saquon Barkley because they came to terms on an extension for quarterback Daniel Jones, four years 
upwards of $160 million, an average of around 45, or excuse me, $40 million, not 45, $40 million per year. Uh, he was asking somewhere between 45 and 48. He ends up with 40. And now we have the floor, the base floor, as we begin negotiations from here on through the start of the season for Burrow and Herbert, uh, Jalen Hurts and others. John McClain joins us. He was in Indianapolis all last week and weekend. We'll recap the combine, also hit the big headlines, including Aaron Rodgers, who's currently meeting with the New York Jets out in California, and their OD, uh, owner, Woody Johnson. John's with us next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. It was deadline day for the franchise tag across the NFL. Welcome back. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Pleased to be joined by John McClain of gallerysports.com. He joins us each week at this time. John, hope everything is well back in Houston now that you've uh, survived the combine yet again uh, and Indianapolis and everything that was last week with the hype around Anthony Richardson. It's amazing the buzz around Richardson. He didn't do anything. People didn't ex- well, except the media, anybody paid any attention and listening, I felt people. And you guys, you're an SEC. You guys are from the SEC. You know, he's big. He's got a great arm. He's fast. He's mobile. And he did all those things. And yet some people acted like he came from, from Uranus <laughs> and or Pluto. And uh, it's dropped out of the sky. And he didn't surprise me at all based on everything I'd been told by NFL people. Now, problem is he's inaccurate. He's inexperienced. I know some people have jumped him up to number one. There's people in Houston saying the Texans should take him number two. And I'm like, give me a break. Look at the guy. He's played one year, and he's got a lot of issues. He needs a lot of work. When you're desperate for a quarterback, you can't take a boomer bust candidate like that. I think the perfect team for him, there's two, be Carolina with Frank Reich on a long-term contract or Josh McDaniels with Las Vegas, another offensive, former offensive coordinator. He's got three more years left on his contract, four more left on his contract. Anthony Richardson has to go somewhere where the system fits his skill set. You can't make him into a pocket passer. 
And you also have to be patient with him. And you have to have an owner who's not going to pull the plug on you after two years. And I think that's why those would two, be two, the two best situations after Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Although C.J. Stroud looks so good and it's ridiculous. You should look good when you're in pajamas, as Dan Campbell from Detroit called it. Um, but Stroud through Daniel Jeremiah, who I trust his opinion as much as anybody, said he has good a throwing as he'd seen at the Combine. But does that mean he went at the NFL? Of course not. Pro days are even more worthless. They're orchestrated over weeks like a Broadway rehearsal. And if you can't look good in your pro day like Jamarcus Russell, Vince Young, Blake Bortles, those guys, Johnny Manziel, I went to all of them, and they look great. And where are they now? Yeah, they're not being talked about, not in the league. John, we've got uh, plenty to discuss with current quarterbacks in the league, four or five veterans. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers, who is meeting with the New York Jets and owner Woody Johnson probably as we speak. plane was in the air when we started the show where the owner was headed out to California via permission from Green Bay to talk with Rodgers. What do you make of this? And what was the talk last week in Indy about the potential of Rodgers retiring? You know, nobody thinks he's going to retire. He's making $58.3 million. He's he's single. He's not going to retire. The key is it's weird. It's almost like he's unrestricted. And they're saying, well, what does Aaron want to do? Where does Aaron want to go? Well, it's not all Aaron. I don't think he's got a no-trade clause, does he? I don't think so. The Jets are definitely interested if Woody Johnson is going to meet him, then you know they're willing to give up the two number one picks it's going to take and take on that monster contract, 58.3. They're going for the goal. Good for them. You know, if Tua Tagovailoa stays healthy and uh, the Jets get their running game together that they had before Brees Hall was hurt and keep their defense New England's going to finish in last place. I wonder when last time that happened. Yeah, he does not have a no-trade clause. You're right. But I think that's why it's circulating that he could retire. That's basically the no-trade clause. He's going to end up where he wants to go based on the threat of retiring. John, do you think that they're going into these meetings armed with the knowledge of whether or not they're willing to meet what the Packers are wanting in a trade? You know, It's not Aaron Rodgers uh, negotiating on behalf of the Packers – it would feel like the Jets would know going in whether or not they're willing to make the move of whatever the Packers are demanding, right? Yeah, like I think that's it's a great point. They're not going to waste their time. Woody Johnson is not going to waste his valuable time as the owner to fly across the country to meet with Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to be talking about darkness retreats. And if he didn't know what they were going to give up, I don't think the Packers would have given permission if they didn't have the parameters of a deal in place. So I'm expecting him to play for the Jets. Good for him and good for them, and good luck to Jordan Love. Packers, you think about it, two franchises have been incredibly fortunate with quarterbacks, Green Bay with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and Indianapolis with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, even though Luck retired way before they thought he would. And uh, so I kind of like to see the Colts struggling for a change, because for the longest time, they did not. Now, the Packers, if Jordan Love is not what they think he is, then they're going to be they're going to be on that treadmill to oblivion looking for a quarterback every year. John, Daniel Jones comes to the contract extension with the Giants just prior to the, the, the franchise tag deadline. The Giants tag Saquon Barkley, and they have their veteran quarterback returning. Four-year contract, 
what, 160 million was the report, but over the first two years, it's $82 million over the first two. Uh, good for Daniel Jones and good for any other quarterback that's yet to negotiate to this point. Daniel Jones has had one good year. Not a great year, good year. And he helped him get in the playoffs, and he didn't turn the ball over. If you say anything, okay, what what is Daniel Jones's primary strength? He doesn't turn the ball over. Well, usually you want guys that can throw, and he did a pretty good job. But I'm happy for the Giants that they were able to get those two guys because those were, those were their objectives. And, you know, they uh, Barkley running back tag, I'm sure he's not happy. And I'm sure they'd like to work out a deal, but you know he's been in the league already five years, and they're not going to work out a five-year deal with him unless unless it's worthless on the end. Like Derek Carr last year, his contract doesn't mean jack. You know, like yes, and Daniel Jones the last two don't. So if he keeps playing well, he'll get another deal. For a guy to go in his situation, both of them, they don't pick up the fifth-year option, and then Jones is getting that kind of deal after one good season. Boy, that's the way of the NFL world when it comes to quarterbacks today. What does Derek Carr to the Saints do for the Saints? It makes them the favorite to win the NFC South, which is pathetic. And if Carr signed with one of those other teams, I think they'd have been the favorite just because right now on paper, they don't have quarterbacks. And uh, that's why they're, they, they're all – in position to try to jockey and maneuver. If I'm Tampa, Tampa and I'm sitting there, I'm going for Hendon Hooker. That guy was a number one pick till he blew out his knee. Nobody's career ends because of a knee injury. Why wouldn't he be a number one pick now? I'll guarantee you guys, Hooker's going in the first round. It'll just be lower than he would have gone because a lot of NFL people like him, like everything about him. People go, well, he's 25 years old before he played. In his second year, he'd be 26. Well, if he played to his 35, that's 10 years. And by the time he plays 10 years, they may be playing into their mid-40s. So age is not as important as it used to be when quarterbacks started looking for another job at 30. John, we Baltimore did tag Lamar Jackson. They did not come to a contract extension. They give him the non-exclusive tag, which allows him to continue to negotiate with other teams. And if that he signs the contract for those that are just joining us. If he signs a deal with another team, Baltimore can match that contract, or the other team would have to send two first-round picks to Baltimore in exchange for Lamar Jackson and the contract that they've just signed him to. What message is Baltimore sending by handing down the non-exclusive tag instead of the exclusive franchise tag? Well, first of all, I don't think there's a team out there that's going to give him a fully guaranteed contract. That wouldn't be good business. He's been hurt a lot the last two years. He's won one playoff game. Yes, he's a great quarterback in the regular season, but I would want him to play a couple of years healthy before I committed that kind of money. And then if he does sign with another team, then, hey, Baltimore doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Just go ahead and match it and keep him. But Baltimore, to me, is a great example of a team that could take Hooker and uh, – because when they traded back into the first round to get Lamar Jackson, it surprised people because people didn't have him going in the first round in their mock drafts. They thought he ran too much. And I think Hooker, because I watched him quite a bit, and I know you guys did, especially Chadillac, and I think the guy's going to be great. Let me ask you, you think he'll be number one pick and what kind of pro you think he's going to be? I, I think he's third on the list behind Young and Stroud, personally. 
I think he's better than Anthony Richardson. I think he's better than Will Levis. And I've got a lot of game film to show you that backs me up on that, of, of what he can do. I don't think he'll go third of those quarterbacks. I, that, that's where I would have him, though, John. He's, and, he's, I, and I do think he's a late first-round pick. I, I agree with you. He, uh, he's valuable because of the fifth-year option in the back of the first round. He has been better than Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. I don't think he stays better than those quarterbacks at the next level because he, he's 25. And we're talking about quarterbacks that are 21, 22 years old. I don't, Richardson's, what, 21? I feel confident he'll always be better than Will Levis. I do think Richardson is a question because he clearly does have an enormously yeah. high ceiling the based, ceiling, on, based but, on the physical traits. But I, I don't know that he'll ever get and there. And lower floor, too. But, yeah, I, yeah I, I wouldn't say definitively that you know Hooker will stay better than Richardson given that ceiling. But I do think he's better than Will Levis. I, I feel confident saying that. So, John, five quarterbacks in the first round? Absolutely. And the fifth-year option does factor into that. I would be willing to trade up if I feel like you've got a starter. And I also think about Hooker, the fact that he is older, he's experienced more, he's more ready mentally to play once he's 100% from his knee, and I think that'll be his second year. But man, if you're a team and you've got an older quarterback or quarterback whose uh, contract's about to expire, if I'm the Titans – I know that I'm guessing they're not going to take him up where they are. I know they need offensive linemen desperately, but I'm not so sure if somebody wanted that pick for another position, I wouldn't trade down and get extra and seriously considering a guy like that, let him play behind Tannehill one more year. And because he's a lot better prospect than Malik Willis. John, you've written a lot at gallerysports.com around the combine. One thing that I was drawn to was Bryce Young's size. Right, that was the big question coming into it. You've got some comps that we all, you know, threw out there in the beginning, and quite honestly, he's closer to at least one of these guys at the combine than I thought he would be. And I know you wrote about it at Gallery Sports. He's uh, that was it was amazing. You know, we knew he wasn't going to throw. He's going to wait for Alabama's pro day. But everybody's seen him make every throw. They don't need to watch him. It's like they didn't need to watch. C.J. Stroud, they did need to watch Will Levis because he had so many interceptions. He did need to watch Anthony Richardson. But Young, you know, he's played for two years, and it's amazing. People are like, well, if he's just 5'11". Fact is, he's two inches He's two inches shorter than Brock Purdy. If you think about that, just that tall, that's it. And he can do everything else, and he was a great interview. He handled everything. Perfectly. People said in the interviews that he was doing with teams, they like to put quarterbacks on the board and throw stuff at them. He knew the answer to some of them before they asked the question because he could tell what was coming next. I don't think being 5'10 and an 8, same height as Kyler Murray, weighing 204, the same as Russell Wilson, is going to hurt him. Now, he was a lot higher rated than Russell Wilson. And Murray wouldn't have been the first pick if Cliff Kingsbury had been the new coach at Arizona and seen him in college. And I still think Bryce Young's highest-rated quarterback, and I think he's going to go first, and Stroud's going to go second, and Houston's going to get one of them. John, what I did find funny was he's barely 5'10", 5'10 and 1'8". Alabama had him listed at six feet. <laughs> we know that colleges fudge height and weight all the time. That's an almost two-inch upshot. That's not just rounding up an inch on a guy. That's two, a, a clear two inches. Alabama had him two inches taller than he actually is. Well, he's actually 10 pounds heavier, too, because I think he's been eating everything in sight since the season ended. 
uh, a receiver from the University of Houston named Tank Dell. Tank was listed at 5'10". He's 5'8". Uh, B.J. Robinson, a tremendous prospect, no blemishes at all. He was listed six foot two twenty two, came in five eleven two fifteen. Now in the NBA, they get taller than they are in college because they measure them in tennis shoes. And when I first heard that years ago, I'm thinking, okay, that makes sense. They play in their tennis shoes. They don't play barefooted. And uh, so maybe the NFL. I ran that by a couple of combine people years ago, and they looked like at me. Like I'd just been dropped off another planet. What? You want them to wear shoes? There was talk at one point of making players wear pads at the combine, especially quarterbacks and receivers. They kill that one too. But you know, I I every year the media gets so fired up. There were almost thirteen hundred members of the media. First when I went there, there were seven of us. It's changed. They met the areas are much bigger, the access is better. And this year, without even telling us. They let the media go to every workout, stay the whole way, had a section where you could go right down to the bottom level. And I remember forever, we asked them, please let us come in there. Finally, they let 10 of us and put us so far away, you needed binoculars to see anything. And of course, they didn't tell us to bring the, our binoculars. John, which team do you feel like is most likely to be the, the aggressor and move up to number one overall with Chicago? Indianapolis, even though the Texans have the draft picks, they got 11, two ones. They got two and 12 next year. They got 10 and two ones. And the Colts, I think, are so frustrated to have to change quarterbacks every year. They want to get a rookie, whether it's Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. If they want Richardson, just stay at number four. I'll tell you something that's interesting to me, and you guys being SEC aficionados, Jalen Carter, everybody was around his interview podium. And I was at the back of the crowd because a guy from Gallery Sports working with me was right in the front. He'd gotten there 45 minutes earlier. I get a text about that story in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about his arrest warrant and all the details. And I walked up to those guys and I said, you might as well go home. He's not talking. And they're, what, what, what? What do you mean he's not talking? I said, well, look at yourselves. And they did. And, of course, he didn't talk. So the key is, how far does he fall? You know, he could have been involved in a wreck that killed two people. And he might have not, but that's something everybody's going to be investigating. But does Chicago drop him out of being the first pick? What if Chicago trades with the Colts? Now, they could take the one that's left over from Arizona. Arizona takes Will Anderson Jr., no blemishes at all. Great character. And they take him at three. And if the Bears think Carter, he shouldn't take him at four, they're stuck. They don't have anybody. They may have to stay at one and take Will Anderson, Jr. But the new the GM, Ryan Poles, who came from Kansas City last year, he's already talking to the media about all these picks he's going to get. And, boy, he's building up everybody's hopes, so he better do it. But sometimes when you trade down, you have to be careful. You have to be sure who you're going to get or you got two or three choices of people you can get, and you don't want to outsmart yourself. But I do believe the Colts are so desperate. And Jim Irsay has said he wants a quarterback, and he mentioned Bryce Young, not mm-hmm. by name. And people, oh, yeah, the Colts want Bryce Young. I don't buy it for a minute that that slipped out. I think that uh, plus he, well, you say he doesn't make the choice. 
Chris Ballard's supposed to make the choice, but this one's so big, Jim Irsay might actually do it. John, I'm not trying to make light of the situation at all. It's obviously very serious with Jalen Carter and what happened, and one of them being one of his teammates. But you, you know teams and how they operate. What percentage of the top half of the first round will say, if he's not facing jail time and we don't think he's going to go away for any of this, we're willing to look past it and draft him where we were because he's that good of a talent? I think the Bears would be one of those teams – Ryan Pauls came from the Chiefs. Chiefs will take anybody. The team that picks fifth, Seattle's proved it'll take anybody. Seahawks took Frank Clark, kicked out of Michigan State for beating the hell out of his girlfriend. And uh, he went there. The media just killed GM John Schneider for about two months. Then everybody forgot about it. Then he goes to Kansas City. He's got Super Bowl rings. Now he's about to be on the street, unrestricted free agent. And people won't pay any attention to what he did when he was in college. So yes, unless it's a good thing this happened early and not came came early and not a couple of days before the draft, because we've seen things happen before the draft. Laramie Tunsil smoking a bong with a gas mask, reports Warren Sapp and snorting cocaine. And that costs those guys a lot of money. And there's other examples. I can't remember who the guy was. He had a wreck the night before. I'm thinking, man, oh man, he got hurt and his agent didn't tell the NFL and he knew it and a team drafted him and he was hurt bad. And man, who you talk about a controversy. So I think Carter is such a big, a big talent, but there were character issues to begin with. People knew it that uh, I'm guessing it's not going to hurt his draft style. John, what was the best conversation you had last week and who you talked with? Oh gosh, Jonathan! If I uh, if you're talking about interviews, the best interview was Will Levis because he said I got a cannon and I want to show it off. And then he said he's going to win a championship. So what do you get team that gets you? What do they get? They get a team that's going to win a championship. And I think I'm the best prospect. And I throw harder anybody in recent memory. And it was a, he was a great interview as opposed to Bryce Young, who was so humble. And but it was great for media, it's great for talk shows, writers. But I'll guarantee you, whoever drafts him is going to say, Hey, Will, put a lid on it when you get to the NFL. So he was by far the best. And I'll tell you a conversation that came up this week was when that report that Derrick Henry is on the market. And uh, I, I, everybody's stunned. And uh, because there's a lot of teams like Buffalo beginning with Buffalo that could use Derrick Henry. And uh, people think he's been beat up for so long, but you guys know he didn't get a lot of carries early in his career. I know he didn't start killing the Texans to like his fourth year in the league, maybe his third, but man, if they really want to move him, there's going to be teams interested. And uh, that, that to me was a bombshell. I can imagine what it was for you guys. Yeah, and I, I still hesitate to, to think it's going to happen because they would only save like $6 million against the cap if they trade him. And it would st- he would still count roughly $10 million against the cap this year by moving him. It's, it's intriguing because it would signal certainly the rebuild that they refuse to say they're in the middle yeah. of. I, John, that, I think that, it, that's the move to make if you're going to signal that. I think it only happens if it's a situation where they feel like they can move up and let's say draft CJ Stroud. Yeah. And it was just a pivotal part of that deal that saved them a future first round pick they would lose in a deal right. to trade up and get 
C.J. Stroud. That that would be the only thing that I would say maybe they would do that if they really feel like this is our franchise quarterback for the next 10 or 15 years. I agree with you 100% on the heels of the A.J. Brown trade, which caused, as you guys know, all kinds of bad publicity, bad blood. Then the same in the Super Bowl and to turn around and trade Derrick Henry. It's got to be something where people go, aha, so that's why they're doing it. And I don't think that's going to be the case. You know, I, I, if you trade him and you're left poor old Ryan Tannehill, doesn't have anybody to throw to him, he doesn't have anybody to give the ball to. Or anyone to block for him at this point as well. John McClain <laughs> has been our guest. He joins us each Tuesday at this time. Gallerysports.com is where you can find his great work. Thank you as always, John. We always really enjoy this. Next week, I'll be talking to you and then headed to Las Vegas to watch the nice. first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Guys, thank you very much, as always. Yes, thank you, John. Never stops for John McClain. I love that trip to He's March Madness. He's a world traveler. The man's always know, somewhere. Vegas. Always. Port St. Lucie to <laughs> Vegas to Indy. Indy. Glamorous Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, back to Vegas. Maybe Cabo. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Nick Saban, he's at it again. The same line of discussion that he's trying to push for SEC defenses that Chad, he's been doing for years and years, maybe a decade now. It's like he's Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. It's going back when to the I notes. see this comment. Oh, it's March 7th. Let's say this. Let's get today. back to this point that I want to make. Why Nick Saban is mad yet again. That's Snacks Now Kick 360. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The NCAA Playing Rules Oversight Panel, wherever they exist, they're going to approve these rule changes that have been proposed. They'll approve them on April 20th, one of them being the game clock for college football. It's now going to continue to run when a first down is gained. Currently, the game clock stops when a first down is gained, and the clock restarts when the offense is awarded the first down. Um, And it's going to the NFL model. Outkick 360 rolls on. Chad? Nick Saban was asked about this through Ross Dellinger of SI.com and asked about the first down rule, which is going to shorten games. The prediction is, on average, of seven to eight plays per game. Nick Saban responded by saying, everybody in college pretty much goes no huddle and fast. Compared to the NFL, where everybody almost gets in a huddle, that makes a huge difference with how many plays are in a game. I'm not saying that it should be regulated, but that's why there are a lot of plays in the game. The way it used to be, the official would spot the ball. You couldn't snap the ball immediately. When a team can snap the ball within seven seconds of the play clock, is that really good for player safety? I'm just asking the question. When you are on the defensive side, you can't even change personnel. That from Nick Saban. On this one specific question about averaging seven, eight plays less per game based on this new clock rule. Let's also get specific. Uh, the team that snaps the ball with under seven seconds off the clock is a team he lost to this year for the first time in many years, Tennessee. Yeah. So he's talking specifically about a team that they failed to beat this year in a really good game that plays that fast. If you go back to, I want to say, 20, 2010 when Auburn won the national championship with Cam Newton, shortly after that, Nick Saban was talking about player safety and speed of the game. Nick Saban 
great coach, probably the greatest of all time, has a tendency to harp on issues of fair play and or player safety, wait for it, when he loses to a team that operates that way. It was Auburn in 2010, didn't beat them, they won a national title. It's Tennessee now, fresh on his mind, they play faster than anyone else in the country, so now it's a problem because he lost to Tennessee. Now, what Nick Saban also is, is adaptable enough to do what works. Alabama plays fast. They changed their offense based on modern college yeah. offenses shortly after he complained about this back in the early 2010s when he was talking about it. And he'll continue to do that. Look, he may honestly believe that it's bad for player safety, that you need to sub players, and that's why it's not about competitive balance or anything else. It's more about you want to sub players for player safety. Maybe he believes that. Call me cynical. I think the timing of it is no coincidence. I think most that it most, comes right around the time that he's losing to a team that plays fast. Most defensive-minded coaches are going to think this way, though. Yeah, you probably. Want to sub, after a first down, you want to the ability to sub out before the ball is snapped. There's also just no way for it to come across as him, anything yeah. other than sour grapes. Right. When you with them, when they don't win the national championship, that's a loss for that, him because of what they've built. So when it comes fresh off you losing to a team that plays this certain way and you're talking about changing that for player safety, it's going to come across as sour grapes. It's an interesting point that he makes, though, and a smart one about the huddle. Because the NFL, you are huddling almost every snap, pre-snap. And in the SEC, not necessarily, right? Especially if you're playing Tennessee. But even if you're playing Bama, you know they're not huddling every snap. The majority of them. No, they'll, they'll play fast. Yeah, they'll, they get up they'll and go. change. I mean, all these teams can change tempo at times, you know, based on the situation and what's going on. Yeah. Tennessee's probably the rare example. They don't change it that often. They're trying to snap it quick at pretty much all times. But it's such a rarity now in college football when you watch a Utah play that huddles every time. It's so and different. He, uh, yeah, and he's saying at the end of this, he's like, you can go as fast as you want, but if you make a first down, the defense gets to sub. He goes, now the defense doesn't get to sub. And he ended it with that. Ross Dellinger with the chat on Nick Saban. J.J. Redick and Kendrick Perkins, did they chat? No, they argued. We give our thoughts on what Perkins had to say about NBA media next.